Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is part two of our World Cup special. I'm still joined by Mo Stewart, by Dan Austin, by Ian Ryan and by Neil Atkinson. I'm John Gibbons and I'm going to be hosting this um, free show. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, do listen to that first of all, because it was really good. But secondly, you know, you like to do things chronologically. It makes sense. But um, we're able to do the, both of these shows for free thanks to our ongoing partnership with Red's Better Were Made Up. They came on board with us at the start of the year and because they support us, we're allowed to do even more stuff for free. So thanks to them. Uh, we do encourage you, if you do gamble, to gamble with Red's Bet because 50% of losses go into supporter causes. Uh, they'll be getting stuck into the World Cup. They've got a fantasy league, which I'll talk about right at the end, but also obviously they'll be doing bets throughout the tournaments. One thing they're doing at the moment is um, offering enhanced daily odds as well as a coming off of running where you bet £25 on the World Cup winner and earn a £10 free bet for any goal by any Liverpool player scores during the group stages so if you fancy Mo Salah to back against uh, some of the teams he's playing against you can get a £10 free bet for any goal any Liverpool player scores during the group stages when you bet £25 on the World Cup winner there'll be lots of other specials on Reds bets as well so do have a look on their website but do remember to gamble responsibly so yeah so we're up to Group E um, Group E is our next one along and it is Brazil who were the top seeds on that they're also joined by Switzerland by Costa Rica and by Serbia you watched Brazil recently Dan we had our top scouts on the on the uh, on the ground uh, to watch them play at Anfield they look good it, it should be said um, they looked even more impressive in, in, in the latest friendly I think than they did against, against Croatia they've got attacking talent they seem to have a decent purpose uh, a reasonable balance about them um, you just worry whether there's a little bit of a still a hangover from that last World Cup and how that ended um, yeah they were really impressive in that Croatia game I think they beat Austria 3-0 recently as well um, I think what what impressed me most about the Croatia game was the fa- first half they were, they were fairly ordinary um, they were perfectly functional and, and efficient and everything but they didn't have an awful lot going forward and then second half they brought Neymar on which I assume was probably for contractual economic reasons <laughs> Chevrolet wouldn't have been happy um, and, and you don't and want to mess with Chevrolet absolutely not um, and they brought him on for Fernandinho and Fernandinho had originally been part of a three-man midfield with Casemiro and Paulinho so it was very athletic and stuff but not really an awful lot beyond that um, so Neymar came on he went left wing they dropped Coutinho back to midfield and they were a different football team um, they just had loads more link-up play um, there was just so much more buzz about them going forward and just him being on the pitch seemed to lift them an awful lot more and, and again it's a friendly so I don't know how much you can necessarily read into that but um, from from when he came on it felt like they just had a lot more control over the football match and I think certainly in those group games and against the other teams that you listed there they will be in full control for the whole thing and I just think that they've got the star players there you know everyone's going to be excited about watching Neymar and Coutinho and Willian and whoever else um, but the back four is really good and the goalkeeper is really good um, and as much as the, the whole squad is, is strong as well, like I mean, Fred has just gone to United for what forty five, fifty million, and, and Firmino is probably not going to get much of a game, and, and the likes of Tyson are, are also going to be on the bench and stuff. But just purely in terms of the first eleven, 
I think they've got the best first eleven in the tournament. And again, it, it's one where it, it really feels like it's their time because three of that back four are, are in the thirties: Marcelo, Miranda, and Thiago Silva. And if Danny Alves was fit, he'd be there as well. It's only because of injury that they're going to be starting Danilo. Um, Casemiro has just come off the back of winning three European Cups in a row. It just feels like they're all really in the prime of the careers and. They've got a manager that they all seem to believe in, which with Brazil isn't always a guarantee. They've gone back and forth with Dunga about three or four times at this point, haven't they? Um, he seems to have, have really found a way of, of getting them between a balance of loads of star names and, and being efficient and, and being able to work as a team. And I think I think they'll get comfortably through that group with three victories and they're, they're pretty much my favourites to win the whole thing. Do you go along with that, Ian? I would, Gibbo, to be honest. I think Dan touched on the point there around... Obviously, the new manager coming in, and I think I read something this week where you know, it said Brazil have got the swagger back, and, and watching them in, in kind of recent friendlies and stuff, it certainly seems that way. And, and they've got that perfect blend, haven't they? You know, uh, talk about the the back four being being quite solid, and also the midfield. Obviously, you know, our latest signing can't get near the squad because they're obviously you know the, the blessed in that area in terms of having two two guys who can sit and protect and dictate, and then. When you talk about forward players and you talk about the likes of Neymar, who, you know, at 26 years of age now sits only 22 goals off, off Pele and being the record goal scorer in Brazilian history, they've, they've got to have a chance. And that group, you can't see, you can't see any problems, to be honest. I can barely see Brazil maybe conceding a goal, uh, let alone dropping points. And they are going to go deep. There's no doubt about it. And whether they win it or not, I certainly think they'll be close. But they've got loads and loads of options from the bench. Um, you know, TT this week said, you know, Firmino, for instance, will really push Jesus close for that starting place. You would expect Jesus to start, but you know, the options they've got, Gibbo, you'd have to say that they've got to be, you know, one of the favourites. And for me, I agree with Dan. I could see them going all the way and winning it. If they do, they're probably going to have to beat Germany. And how much of a hang-up do you think that might be for them, Neil? In that, you know, it wasn't just a defeat; it was a it was a humiliation. It was a you know an undressing in front of their own fans. And you know, you talk about psychological impact and things like that. It must have effect, mustn't it? Or do you think four years has just been so long and they've played so much football since then that it, it won't be as much of a factor as I'm making out? I think it will be a factor. I think it'll be a factor anyway. If let me put this the right way to phrase this the right way. In order to win it, they're going to have to win a semi-final. Mm. So whether or not they have to play Germany or not, they're going to have to win a semi-final. And these players will know everything that's going to be talked about in the run-up to that semi-final. Mm-hmm. And you can do all the stuff around where you can prepare them for that and you can talk them through that and you can work on that. But it's actually quite difficult to do because you're simultaneously also saying to them, take one game at a time. And that, to me, is likely to be their their biggest undoing. And... <clears throat> I think it's interesting when we keep talking about having seen them in certain friendlies and in certain games and they've been picking really solid 11s because it wouldn't surprise me if that when they do get to a quarter or a semi, they actually pick a really solid 11 and try and win it off the bench. And that might well be the approach. The approach being it's absolutely fine for us if we come up against another really good nation to be nil-nil at half-time, lads. Nil-nil at half-time is perfectly fine. And then we go from there. And we we earn our right to play our football and then we play our football. And I think that that's what you're going to see. But I don't think it is just Germany. But yeah, at some point they would have to beat Germany. And if it was Germany in the semi-final, I mean, on the one hand, it's redemption song. On the (laughs) other hand, imagine they go 1-0 down. I mean, imagine that they go 1-0 down in the first 15. Honestly, you know, those lads would need, you know, if I was playing for them, I'd be rolling around on the floor to try to just get everyone a minute (laughs) to get a breather and to compose themselves. So I think it's really, I think it is tricky. The squad's got a lovely balance to it. The way they've been setting up has got a good balance to it. I, I think there's an argument that you win this World Cup, you win most World Cups by being, you win most tournament football by being solid. And I don't like solid football, but I think there's an argument. So I think that they can go all the way. But as I say, I think that it's going to be tricky for them. But, you know, I, 
The other thing I think as well is I just think Firmino is better than Gabriel Jesus. And I, I, I do wonder, you know, if that's going to get resolved and sorted out. But I think if you ask Pep Guardiola, we'd rather have, we'd rather have Firmino. And he's lived a life with both of them this season. Um, and I, I, I would be more confident if they were picking Firmino. I think I agree with that. I think it might be another one of those situations where Jesus starts the first game, but by the time they play their final game, Firmino might have made his way into the first team. <clears throat> what I would say regarding them going deep, because I think I agree with everything everyone says about the group. I think there's going to be no problems whatsoever. Uh, I like the fact that they've gone with the steel, but in some of the recent prendies, they've also played Willian and Coutinho in the midfield three. So they're kind of preparing for that eventuality. They felt they're preparing to do a bit of both. That's what I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. re- I, I think the manager's really thinking about it. He's managing it like, we're going to play seven games. And I think that sells the team, obviously, that they're going to be preparing it like for lots of different scenarios. Regarding the whole Germany business, I think one of the things that's going to do them good is the fact that some of their key creative players weren't playing there. Now, all the, all the Germans were. There's going to be lots of them in that game if it does come up to the semi-final who were there before, and they're going to be thinking about it. But another thing that's key for me is that as much as Neymar is still the heart of this team, the kind of the, the golden boy, the, the one who everyone's looking to, I think if Neymar, for example, gets injured in the game before, similar to what happens in, in the semi-final before, I think Brazil will be a lot more confident that they could win that game without him. Yeah. And... That even just having the confidence that they could do it means that they wouldn't necessarily get into the spiral that they were in before. There are some key guys like Thiago Silva, for example. He's someone who is potentially susceptible to that spiral. But again, you've got Marquinhos there who could quite easily come in for him. I mean, in terms of their depth, the only real potential weakness is right back where they've got Danilo. But then you've got uh, Fernandinho who can play right back and has done it very well. So... You're looking at Brazil really either failing at the crunch point, which I'm more confident they won't do, or beating themselves, which, again, I'm more confident that they won't do this time. So, yeah, they're probably my favourites as well. The other three teams are Switzerland, Costa Rica and Serbia, and I think all kind of will expect to go through in a, in a way, and not all of them can. In fact, only one of them can. Um, Switzerland have... I can't remember the last time Switzerland didn't qualify for the, for the major tournament. Now they've got a good record. And I think some good players, although haven't really got a striker. Costa Rica did amazingly well. Last World Cup and, you know, they do well to do, do that. Well, like, again, but, in, you know, still will have confidence. And, and Serbia have got some good players as well. I don't know what you guys, just open up to the, to the room, really, what your thoughts are on the, on the other three teams. I'm, I, I'm really interested by Serbia. And I think Costa Rica can do it. And I think Switzerland have got the ones there. I think Serbia, with the new manager coming in, he's, he's joined post-qualifying. No one really knows what to expect. They've got a couple of players in there who've developed uh, across the course of the season. The obvious one being um, Milinkovic Savic. Well done, Akko, with first go. Um, <laughs> and I think that how they use him and if they can use him, um, I think it defines a lot. And if he if he does have the breakout World Cup that he might have, I think he can he can have an all a big impact you know there's Mitrovic who's come into massive form yeah. so you're able to score a couple of, I think you got a hat-trick actually got a hat-trick yeah. yeah so I think you're able to make a bit of a case that Serbia could just sort of come alive and, and they've got you know they've got um, Ivanovic they've got uh, Matic they've got solid footballers who've been around the block a little bit as well so I you know Serbia what I'd say the really interesting thing about Serbia is I think I think you wouldn't want to get Serbia in the last 16 
if Serbia get out the group, then you could be dealing with a really good side who, who could scare whoever it is that they can get in the last 16. We're going to come on to talk about Group F. <laughs> so I think that Serbia, I, I think Serbia could be, you know, the, I, what I'm trying to phrase it, like Costa Rica go out last 16, I think. Uh, I know they didn't last time, but Costa Rica go out last 16. Uh, Switzerland go out last 16. I think if Serbia get out the group, there's every chance we're talking about a quarter-finalist. You've watched a lot of Lazio yep. this season, Mo. So what do you make of this star man? There's talk of sort of £90 million bids for Manchester United and all that. Is he as, is he as good as the hype suggests? Um, I don't know because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of hype. But he is a very, very good footballer and he can put himself in a position to make this World Cup one of which we're all talking about him for. But again, Neil makes a really good point is that the manager's still new. He's still kind of working out where everyone goes. You've got the Manumatic next to him, which we all know what he, he brings to the table. And he needs someone with the energy and the flexibility and the passing ability of uh, Milinkovic Savage next to him in order to help him play well. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. I see Serbia's biggest issue is the fact that, yes, Mitrovic has scored a hat-trick, but both him and Tadic are wildly unpredictable. They're unreliably unreliable. <laughs> reliably unreliable the yeah. other way around I know, I know what you meant Thanks. I, I enjoyed Thanks. it so, so when you get into the situation where they're playing against for example they're playing against Costa Rica who they will go into the game feeling like they should be winning this game this should be the one that helps us get in if they do go behind and they miss a couple of chances say they miss a penalty they get a little bit tempestuous which there are a few guys in that team who have got quite a temper and in that white hot World Cup atmosphere, they might be experienced, but that hasn't stopped them doing stupid things in the past. As so. a man who's done stupid things in the past, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> although, although not in Russia. Um, okay, I think we're all saying Brazil are going to go through, so I'll ask you um, left to right who you think will join them from Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia. Neil? I've got to say Serbia. Ian? Serbia. Um, I'm going to go Costa Rica. Oh, I love it. I'm going to go Switzerland. There you go. Again, all three, all three teams, um, all three teams selected there. So it might be an interesting group that I've got to go for. Lost Ticos as a, um, uh, an honorary member. They're your lads, aren't they? They're my lads. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, this isn't who I want. Oh, this is who I, know, I think. I know, but I'm the host, so I can do what I like. But, uh, <laughs> okay, we'll move on to Group F. Uh, it's got Germany, who who are the top seeds, and joined by Mexico, Sweden, and Korea. Someone said they wanted to get onto Group F. Who was it? Me. Oh, you're dying. Come it's on. about if Serbia could do the business against Germany if they go through second behind Brazil they probably can't uh, <laughs> now that I've seen I've just checked that it is Germany and you've just told me as well but Germany are a bit weird and it, it said before that they find their way through tournaments a little bit and I think they do I I struggle a little bit with the idea that they're putting all their eggs in the team of Werner Baskets which it looks like they are going to have him leading the line for them and it might be a hell of a time he's got leading the line but they've got their eggs in the team of Werner Basket they've got some eggs in the Marco Ruiz basket which is a good basket but it's a basket with loads of holes um, and then there's you know there's obviously Mueller who you can rely on uh, in these tournaments and to a ridiculous extent but I am sort of intrigued by Germany in that Again, if it clicks, there's every chance that they can go all the way. But I can see it sort of never quite clicking this time round in a, in a slightly different way. I think they've, they've obviously got some phenomenal players. And in fact, you look at the class that they've left out. That's always a bit of a marker. And, you know, I'm, I'm, the one thing they've got, everyone's talked about this Confederations Cup thing. And I think the Confederations Cup thing's dead interesting because they've had the Confederations Cup thing. And then they've broadly speaking gone back to the lads. And 
it's going to be really difficult for them to ride both horses. So they did brilliant in the Confederations yeah. Cup and they played a lot of younger players that people don't know. And the Confederations Cup, everyone's normally not that interested. And then they played really well. But they've gone back to the the, 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 the girls that brought them to the dance and they've stuck with them. And I completely understand why. And it might just end up being, weirdly, a bit of a transitional World Cup where Germany have got the best squad in 2014, 2018 and 2022. And they win in 2014 and 2022 and they don't win in 2018. And I think that that might be, it might be a bit of one of them where there's a couple of them where they're creaking a little bit and there's a couple where they're not quite sure. They don't let go enough. They don't let go quickly enough, you mean. So people haven't moved aside. I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it, because it's the the manager's the same as well. So he's thinking, well, I'm going to the World Cup and I'd rather have us as few unknowns as possible. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's probably looking at it and thinking, you know, obviously he's left out lads like Levi Sana, who's who's lit the Premier League up this this weekend. But he well, he must think, well, I know where I am with this guy. I know what happens to him when he's when he's at a camp. Yeah. I know I know I've been to Brazil with these lots and, and they were brilliant and they got on and they gelled and, and I know where I'm gonna be in and that that's what sometimes makes it tough, doesn't it, when, you, when you've when you got a kind of a consistency in a manager. I wonder if it would have been a different manager, he might have picked a slightly different team. That said, I think they were the most impressive team in qualifying. They won all 10 games, they scored 40-odd goals, and, and it was a, it was a, it was an easy-ish group. I think Northern Ireland comes second, don't they? Yeah. But, but, but still, they're in a, you know, the, they, they know what they're doing, and you understand why Lowe's gone for the lads who know what they're doing. Definitely, and it's one of the advantages that very few teams can have is that they've got lots of guys who they know that they know how to win tournaments. And when you've got a team in that way, it's almost tempting, or it's really tempting to not rock the boat as much. I do take Neil's point, though. I think that when you're looking at the 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 front three behind uh, an inexperienced striker like Werner, you've got Muller, who is still reliable, but didn't have his greatest season overall. You've got... Ozil, who you could say ditto for and has literally just got himself a little injury. You've got Royce, who hasn't been injured, but everyone's kind of crossing everything and, you know, touching himself to make sure that he doesn't get injured. He can win in the World Cup if he doesn't. He could. And the thing that Germany are thinking is that, well, okay, if you've got those kind of doubts over Royce and Ozil, you've also got Brandt and Draxler, who have the talent to be able to step up. But the problem Lowe has got is how much... Can he get? How much can he trust those guys? How can he make sure that they are ready? So, say if they don't start the tournament, if they start on the bench, after playing so well as Neil said in the Confederations Cup, if they play maybe don't play well but win in the first game, these guys are sitting on the bench thinking we could be doing a better job than those lot. And and any dissension in that area, like between the the coming guys and the guys who are in the team to begin with, that might be an issue for them. But again. This is one that will be a down-the-line issue because they will not have problems in the group, I don't think. Um, both of you guys, uh, Dan and Ian, had Brazil's favourites, I think, to win it. Would Germany come behind that or do you think um, there's, there's other teams stronger going into this tournament? Um, go on, Ian. I was going to say, I, mean, I think they're the two for me that you think look the strongest on paper. I think it's dead interesting with, with Love because he's got history of six previous tournaments and he's never failed to make the semi-finals so you absolutely know they're going to be there or thereabouts that's what they do that's what Germany always do um, the options the player options he's got are frightening and the Leroy Sane thing I think most people are in agreement that if you play for any other country you'd be going to a World Cup interestingly Hummels comes out last week and talks about well actually he's never ever come close to his Man City form for Germany in the games he's played so quite rightly doesn't go was, 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 the, was the view of Hummels which I thought was interesting and then 
You've got Marco Royce coming back into form after injury, comes back in Feb, gets seven goals in about 11 games and looks really, really good. And I think if, you, if you're talking about a Marco Royce on, on top form, as Neil touched on there, there's a guy who can, who can potentially win you the World Cup. And I've watched him numerous times, but that performance he gave at Anfield for 60 minutes, it's still one of the best performances I've ever seen yeah. from an opposing player, I have to say. It was right up there. So it's dead interesting, the Germany thing. And you, 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 they've got a real knack of just finding the gears at the right time. So they'll get through the group and they'll do it in a in a typical German efficient way and then they'll kick on. And there's real there's real drive for them because they want to become the first team since Brazil in 62 to retain the World Cup. So there's that. They also want to match Brazil's record of having five titles. So there's that. Um, so you'd expect that Love will want to go out on a high as well. And this maybe will be his last tournament as Germany manager. So if Brazil aren't going to win it, Germany would be my next guess. I don't think I'd have them quite as high up. Um, I just think that uh, other teams with better starting 11s at this point. I, I completely understand why he would pick a squad that's made up of loads of lads that have won him a World Cup last time out. But then I think you look through at the individual names and why has he taken Mario Gomez that World Cup instead of Sane? Like it's just really weird. Um, lots, lots of the things that he's done, and I don't think I don't think they've got a change in them if a game's going badly in the knockout stages. I don't think they've got a shift of system well, or that a shift would be of Mario style. Gomez, wouldn't it? Th- it would, but not in a way that I think would work. No, I think no. you could bring loads of pace off the bench if, if you had Sane and if you had Brandt and whoever yeah. else. But I, I don't know. I, th- I mean, they're going to get to the semis. I, 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 don't, I don't dispute that. But then I just think that other teams have got stronger start eleven. I think that if you compare the starting eleven that they had. And Argentina has in that final, and then look at it now. I'd be picking Argentina over it, whereas back then I wouldn't have. Um, I think I think the rest of the group's really interesting though, because yeah. I think any of the other three could get through. Yeah. I don't think there's a clear winner there. I would probably, on balance, expect Mexico just because it's what they do. They, they get knocked Didn't out. You've never got to a quarter final. They get knocked out every time in the round of sixteen. Don't they? It's absolutely wild. Um, and I think I think Hernandez is, will be really good for tournament football because um, I expected games that they play against those other two to be really tight and to be won by the odd goal and he's someone who can come up with one real shame that it's not the same uh, big fella Miguel Herrera on the touchline <laughs> going mad um, he was great value in the last one um, but <coughs> in, in terms of individual players outside of that Germany team Hyungmin Son is probably the best player in the group um, and that could be well enough to, to drag South Korea through it um, Sweden Sweden I think benefits from not having Ibrahimovic to be honest I think it just means that there's, there's no onus on an individual player and they're not constantly looking to get the ball to one fella who's, well, 37, 38 yeah. at this point anyway. And they've got quite a few talented lads, the likes of Forsberg. Um, so I think that one will be a really interesting one to watch. I think Germany will be absolutely fine and probably win all of them in the group. Um, and then on balance, I think I would go for Mexico, but it could be any of the three. And I think that's the only group so far where I thought it could literally be any of the three. Do you think it might be one of those situations, Neil, where when you play a team helps? Because I'm with Dan, I think Germany win the next two and then they'll be looking to rotate. And I know it's its career, we've got them last. And so you, you, you're you thinking about the draw and thinking, what well, is that one where you know the, the manager makes seven or eight changes and look, they're all good changes, but it's still you know messing around with your team and career. I might think, well, if we need if we do need a point to go through them, then we're, we're in a better position than, for example, Mexico will play them first. Uh, there's every chance, but then they've got to get the results as they go right the way through. But I think, that, I think that Korea, I think Korea can get out of the group, uh, and I think that they've got, you know, they've got, they've got themselves a half decent chance. They've got themselves a half decent chance because because there's no one else, you know, they're not. There isn't a, a Croatia, 
if you know what I mean, where they're looking at it all the way through, uh, and I'm worrying about that sort of that that scope of sides. So Mexico do tend to get out of these groups, but at some sort of point that record stops. So I think that Korea can get out. I think again, it's another one where I expect, you know, I expect we're all going to pick someone else around the table. I expect <laughs> it all goes to the last game. Uh, I don't see how it doesn't go to the last game. I expect that this group's always going to be alive, and I think that that's significant. And I think that's one of the reasons why. I'm really looking forward to the World Cup. I think there's every chance you're watching really good last group games combined with also watching really good knockout games. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think the draws come quite nicely for that in that everyone always wants a group of death, but I think it's almost good that there isn't one, if you know what I mean, and that the, the quality spread. Yeah. So yeah, what that definitely. means is there's something on the line in almost all the group games at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Even the groups where there's one clear favour in all of them, I would say that the other three are all... Th- thinking that they can win at least game their games they're going in that they can target. In this group in particular, I do take Mexico's World Cup pedigree. I weigh that against the fact that I think Sweden and South Korea have got a huge advantage of playing each other first. So if there's a winner in that game, the potential that it can confidence it can give them to go on the run to then take on Mexico and then maybe get themselves into second place. If that for game ends a draw, then obviously then the Mexico come right back into it. Uh, conversely, I think Mexico are probably the best of the three to play Germany first up because if they lose to Germany, then they've done that before. They know how to get out and go into the last two games saying we need a result in both of these in order to get there. So they can do it too. I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes down. Uh, Dan's point about Song Hun Min being the best player outside Germany is 100% correct. And this group is close enough and his talent is high enough for his him to basically win it through force of will. Uh, Do you think he can, he can lead the team in that way, Mo? Because obviously within Tottenham, he benefits from playing with a lot of good players mm-hmm. and he benefits from almost going a little bit unnoticed. Now he's yeah. going less and less unnoticed. <laughs> it, it must be said, but he's able to kind of, you know, come in from deep and get on the end of things. He will be expected to lead this Korean team a little bit more than he does with Spurs. Yeah, but that is true. I think that he's the kind of guy, personality-wise, who thrives in that situation. I think we've seen that times earlier on in his Spurs career, he was actually getting frustrated where he wasn't able to give what he wanted and wasn't able to get the opportunities to show as much as he'd like to. So I feel like he's been he's been the best player of South Korea for long enough for him to be comfortable in that position. Obviously, World Cup's a different matter. You never know how someone's going to go into it. But I think he's the kind of guy who can thrive that way. And as you said with some of the other teams, the fact that everyone on the team knows which way the bread's buttered, so to speak, is going to help him as well. Okay, uh, I think we'd all go for Germany to progress from the group, so I'll just ask you right to left. Mexico, Sweden or Korea? Mo? Uh, after that, I'm going to say Korea. <laughs> Dan? Yeah, I'm going to stick with Mexico. Stick with Mexico, Ian. Korea? Uh, Mexico just, but it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I mean, in a good way horrible in a good way <laughs> okay we're at Group G we're finally in England finally at the boys Ian uh, <laughs> I think first of all it does need saying that they had a nice touch didn't they in terms of the group um, I think Belgium's one of the nicer top seeds they could have got uh, Panama and Tunisia were not expecting great things from as well so They've got a nice group in terms of to to get themselves together to figure out what the best team is. Yeah, because I'm still I still think they're not quite sure, and also to to maybe get a bit of momentum going. Yeah, I'd say so. And I think I was chatting to Rob about this this morning. In, in terms of England teams, this is one where maybe you struggle to to dislike as as much as as some others in the past. We know which ones we're talking about, but I think Southgate. I mean, John Teddy's gone. <laughs> yeah, John Teddy's gone. <laughs> Hodgson's gone. Uh, I think Southgate's forging something that. 
it's much easier to get behind um, if you want to kind of do that thing. You want to get behind the England team. So he's obviously picking all the players in form. He's picking young players, and I think that's something you can get behind. But uh, your point about the group, I, I agree. I think you know Tunisia up first. You know they've had. They've had decent recent form. They only lose by the odd goal to Spain. Aspas scores the other night. Before that, they kind of get a 2-2 against Portugal. Um, so not, maybe not quite as, as easy as, as some are thinking. But no doubt about it, if Southgate was looking at, at picking it or hand-picking a group, this wouldn't have been massively far away from what he would have chosen. You have to say it's all about who comes top and who, and who finishes second. But England and Belgium, you, you can't see there being, a, there being a huge issue. I think one or two players have given Southgate food for thought. I think Rashford played really well against Costa Rica the other night. I would probably look to, to start him, to be honest. I think he's already come out and talked about what he will do with his with his midfield. Well, he's only going to play probably one of Dyer or Henderson. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that may change depending on the opposition. So the deeper you go, you know, don't be surprised to see both of those lads if you suddenly find yourself in a, in a quarterfinal against Brazil and, or Germany. Um, so he's got options. I think, you know, Harry Kane staying fit and fresh is, is obviously key. You know, there's been previous tournaments where he's just not looked like the Harry Kane you see play for Spurs. I think he has got a an issue around maybe the quality of his of his defenders. Obviously, he's very, very um, kind of wedded to this back three. And, and I think that's fine. And I think the back three works with, with the players England have got uh, in a sense that obviously it gives them maybe a little bit more protection. But then you look at those three lads and you're thinking, well, John Stones, yeah, operating at a really high level under Pep. But then you start to look at maybe some of his other options. And whilst I think the likes of Maguire, etc., are decent Premier League players, if they're going to get thrust into some of these real big cutthroat games at a World Cup level, will it be a little bit too much for them? Possibly so. Um, but it's one England will get out of, Gibbo. And I think if you look, you know, in terms of where they'll end up in the, in the tournament, you know, you'll have to say, given who they'd meet in the second round, they're going to make, surely, or they should make the quarterfinals. And from there, you think they may struggle. But I suppose, given what's happened in previous tournaments, that wouldn't be such a bad tournament for England. They make at least the quarterfinals. But when you get there, as we know, anything can happen. Yeah, you don't need 11 good players to win a World Cup, Neil, and, and, and people have done it with, with, with far less than that, never mind a, a kind of a couple less than that. And I suspect that England have got a few more options than, than we all thought about a month or so ago. You look at it, the 11, and, and there's decent options to pick and say, you know, um, Ian mentioned Henderson and Dyer there, they're both not likely to play, there's uh, issues around Rashford, Lingard and, and Sterling, you'd think only two of those will play or, or if he wants to play all three then he suddenly wanted to leave out Deli Ali and, and, and thinking about what you want to do with the midfield and these are all players who play for the top level teams in the Premier League and, and, and that's kind of my point really, they might not be the, the most eye-catching players in, in those teams, although in Harry Kane's case he very much is, but these are all players who are used to playing for teams who win, who are used to playing for teams with the reason about the pressure on them and might just be going to this World Cup with feeling like they've got a little bit to prove. They've got pace on the pitch and pace on the bench and I think that's really interesting and I don't th- I think in the in the past when you've talked about England teams that hasn't quite been there so for instance you know the 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 Lampard Gerrard goals etc which didn't we pick well literally none of them were quick and the, the, well Gerrard was quick but you know he wasn't that quick he wasn't given much chance to be quick and he so. wasn't given much chance to be quick and they've got pace on the pitch and pace on the bench and I think that that is that keeps you alive in almost any game and in almost any game situation and in Kane and Vardy they've got two lads who who are very, very, very good at taking chances. You actually look at like Vardy's shots conversion rate, and in big games, it's remarkably high. Um, he's used to this sort of thing, and he's probably not going to be the one who starts, but he's the one who yeah. can come on. And you know, he's dangerous. I, I think England are. 
are dangerous uh, in this World Cup. I wouldn't want to face them uh, quarters, or, sorry, second round or so quarters. I wouldn't be interested in it really, and I think that's really interesting. Normally, there's normally you get the impression that you know an Argentina or a Portugal they're almost rubbing their hands together at the thought of this because these boys they're going to come in come in here and fancy it and they're going to try and play a bit and we'll show them. Or it's the sort of the Hodgson era where it's Italy and they're almost in Italy and just know we'll get to play the whole match on our terms. Mm. Whereas this side won't let you play. You know, that game against Italy where the the biggest pass completion was Joe Hart to Andy Carroll. You know, they'll... This England side's not going to let you play the game on your terms. They're going to, even if you've got the ball, they can spring on you and they can spring on you with real, real pace. And I, I, I if England, if England were another side, we'd be talking about them as dark horses. Yeah. Mm. I think we'd be saying that they're the ones that you don't want in the last eight. They should go, they should reach the last eight, but they should very much go out in the last eight. <laughs> um, but the, you could see them being able to upset it a little bit and find a, find a route against someone, which mostly involves not having the ball, waiting, 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 and then someone pinging it 50 yards. Someone's in, there's a decent little bit of delivery, and Harry Kane finishes it from 18 yards out, and suddenly you're 1-0 down, and now you're playing footy on the counter, mm. and, and that's even worse. Um, so I think they can do it. I just think, I, I don't think they can win the whole thing, and I don't think they will win the whole thing. And as I say, I think the quarterfinals will be about their level. But they'll have they'll almost have to sense themselves. They've got away in the quarter. Quarters, and then they get to the quarters, and if they've earned the quarters, they could earn one more step. And then I think it really would become a bridge too far where they could get played off the park and maybe even be made to look a bit daft at that stage. But, you know, I, I think it's an England side that's worth people being a bit excited about. I was going to make a Vardy point as well, Mo, because I think we've, we've looked at a lot of these teams now. You know, we're quite deep into it. We're on Group G, and a lot of teams you've said so far, yeah, got some good players, could really do with a striker. Yeah. And we've got. Vardy there just sat on the bench and is now kind of able to get on and, and there's you know there's, there's probably a dozen teams in this World Cup who, who killed to have a Jamie Vardy up front yeah. and, and kind of England have got him to spare and so that kind of makes you think a little bit that, that, that as I say there's, there's Rashford who I don't think he'll start as well who's who's you know I think he's a good footballer and has certainly shown Liverpool he's that, he's that this season and so the in terms of options is in attacking options and midfield options as I say I, I think they're, look, they're looking pretty good they are looking good and the thing that seems different for me as well is that there seems to be a plan within using those options as well as much as one of the things I saw in the recent friendlies when Vardy came on is that him and Henderson had a really good understanding in terms of being able to know when he's making the run and know which kind of ball Henderson's more likely to play. And that's some one of the things that we've struggled with passes England when everyone comes together from different clubs and they've all got their own different ways of playing. Especially in that era where we had lots of stars at our own clubs who were used to people fitting around them and then we had to try and fit together. There doesn't seem to be... I mean, it's easy to say now because they're less, less of big stars, but it doesn't seem to be as much ego around the team. Everyone seems to be able to... happy to fit in where they fit in and stuff like that, which is something that... When it comes to England, I don't know whether or not it's because we're so close to it and we're in the spotlight, we see it more, but the mental side, the, out, the outside, the things off the pitch, or rather than the actual kicking of the football tend to affect England more than they affect a lot of other people. And up to this point, I feel like Southgate has done... He's got everything right, for me, in terms of taking the pressure off the team specifically, 
giving them the tools to say, okay, in this situation, we're going to do this. In this situation, we're going to do that. He has played with the three at the back. He's kind of stuck with They're going to have to pick someone mad at the back, aren't you? That's the only thing. Yeah. I mean, I think the one, the ringer for me is going to be whether he goes with Stones or Maguire. I still think that's up for grabs. I think Cahill's played his way into the start of 11. I do. I think that he, um, Southgate trusts him. More, more than probably a lot of the fans have trusted him in the past because of his form for Chelsea. But I just think when you look at the makeup of the three of them, Walker is obviously a lock. And uh, his passing ability does help. Uh, his, his athletic ability helps and allows you to kind of mask some of the bits that Cahill's not quite as good at anymore. But in terms of tournament now, in terms of being an actual attacking threat as a centre-half, I think he's ahead of some of the other guys. In terms of the whole Stones-Maguire thing, it's interesting. I don't think the stats might say one of them makes more mistakes than the other, but John Stones is still in that situation where every time he makes any mistake, the whole world just holds their breath and everyone loses their minds. And whether that's fair to him or not, that's the case. And if that happens in the middle of a game and it causes the ripple effects throughout the squad, that's something he's going to have to think about. I just believe that Southgate is someone who's sure in himself and his decisions. And again, that's an upgrade from the manager we had last World Cup, for starters. And I think it gives them the, ch- the opportunity to go out there and play well. I also think the fact that if they did go out to Germany or Brazil in the quarterfinals, that that's not necessarily seen as bad as it would have been in the past, yeah. might actually help them as well. It might make them relax a little bit. So we might see the best of England. I'm slightly concerned, Dan, that I'm going into the tournament saying I'm not going to be that bothered. <laughs> and then he's going to pick Trent and I'm going to get a real battalion tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot rule that out. Start painting a muzzle spitfire. <laughs> I, I think he's going to pick Trent. Oh, well, well I'll, I'll get booked in. Yeah. yeah, I think he's going to pick I Trent. Think I, I, think, I think that the whole point of, of converting Walker into a bit of a centre-half is so that he can play Keaton Trippier and Keaton Trippier knows how to put a ball on Harry Kane's head. I think, yeah. there's, I think there's an element to that, but I think it's, what struck me was Trent got all the set-pieces when he, when he played he got all the set pieces and there's something else as well which is I think Southgate has shown his commitment to youth development and I think that there's part of it I think 23, 24, isn't he? but my thing is I think he probably wants Trent to have the summer off if he's not going to use him mm-hmm. I think for, I think it's massive for Southgate to pick him yeah. like I think and I think that and you'd also presume that he's had a conversation with Klopp I I sort of wonder if he if he might be if he might be a lot closer to playing Trent than than I thought before you know than I thought three weeks ago to be honest with you before Trent was in the squad I'd have gone he's definitely picking Trippier he may not even put Trent in the squad now I'm beginning to wonder this is all a bit if you might just have thought you know what this that I'm going to go with that lad I think it's hard to underestimate just how perfect the draw has been for them in so many different ways because if they could have picked a top seed they probably wouldn't have looked much further than Belgium they've got Belgium as the last group game, game. Yep. and uh, whoever they play from Group H there's, there's there's four fairly good teams in there but none of them are standout top international yep. sides and it means that despite the fact that, that I, I think they have got more options and are probably better than what I thought a few weeks ago off the basis of, of, of what they've done in the last few weeks and I haven't actually looked at the squad properly yeah. but I still think that they're fairly ordinary and I still think that the quarterfinals are, are definitely their limit but now I almost expect them to get to the quarterfinals because Perfectly rational that he could get knocked, to the round of, knocked out of the round of 16 by Colombia, for example. But 
I think they should expect to be Colombian and, and and then once they get to the quarterfinal they are liable to play I think it is Brazil or Germany and that feels like a bridge too far but I think that for the squad and for, and for this manager the quarterfinal will be absolutely fine and I don't think either of, of, of them or Belgium will have any trouble in the group because there's there's, there's such a drop off in quality What between. do you think of Belgium then? I mean they've got they've got a um... I find Bobby Martinez managing them. Yeah, they, they, they haven't had a, a brilliant tournament yet. Could this be the one? Do you think? Um, I I don't think so because I think he's I think he's picked a sort of weird squad. He's left Rajinayan goal and out of it, and he's, he's Belgium's best. He's Belgium's best midfielder. That that goal that he scored in the Stadio Olimpico, where he just just sort of kicked the footy towards the net and didn't look like he was trying, and it flew into the corner yeah. off the post. It was incredible. Um, and he's not picked him because he thinks that like his balance of his squad isn't right, and he's picked a he's picked a lot of holding midfielders or, or lads that are lads that are really like strong and, and not really that technical on the ball. And there seems to be a lot of emphasis on Eden Hazard doing bits. Um, I, I would have quite liked to have seen him try and fit Chris Mertens in there somewhere, but it seems from the teams that he's picking, like Chris Mertens is going to be the man off the bench. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that the the, the, the solids from one to eleven. But I don't think it's going to be enough to, to beat a really top-level team. I think, again, they're going to get to the quarterfinals and they're going to come up against a top-level team and it's just going to be too much for them. And I mean, in terms of the size of the country that they are and that, 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 that should be pretty much all that they can expect, to be honest. But they, they have got a sort of golden generation in terms of in terms of what they've had in the past. You know, they weren't getting to, to tournaments in 2006 and 2010 and stuff. So it is an improvement for them, but I think they'll, be, I think they'll end up being disappointed. They'll be... They'll be fairly comfortable in the group and I think both them and England might end up playing against each other in that last group game with sort of second string teams because it doesn't really matter do you play from Group H no. you're not trying to yeah. avoid Brazil or, or something like that and it's probably yeah. going to be pretty much level in that group anyway yeah. so they could just say alright this is free it doesn't matter if you come first or second but then once they get to that quarter final game I think for both of them that's where they'll both end up going out then the other thing on, on the England um, potential chances and it's been touched, a few, touched on a few times Bardi gave an interview recently and he talked about the preparation for this one compared to the, the, the previous tournament where they've planned for every eventuality in this tournament. What happens if you go ahead? What happens if you go behind? What happens if it's nil-nil on 80? What do you do then? Um, and then there's that famous story last time where England were potentially going to play Iceland and Roy Hodgson goes for a, a boat trip with Ray Lewington instead of watching the, the, the potential opponents and they come against Ireland and no one's got a fucking clue what happens when you go one behind so I think this time the preparation is much much slicker much much better Dan's point around Belgium there I think it's interesting you know if you look at their side 1-11 to 11, I mean it, it's, it's, it's an outstanding football team but you'd always look at Martinez and think tactically is he quite good enough at that top level to be able to get Belgium into a, a semi-final or even further I suspect not you know if it was just based on 1-11 on, on to 11, then they'd have a really really good chance but I think Martinez Potentially is that is that weak link there in the qualifiers? They be great. They won nine out of ten. Lukaku scores eleven goals, but you just feel when it gets to the nitty gritty that they'll just fall short. They had a really talented team at the last tournament as well, and lost to Wales. Yeah, I think one of the things in terms of the manager is that whether or not you uh, agree with his decision to drop Nangalan, he's basically made his job a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah. because don't think he's played much in the qualifiers, Nangalan. No, no, he's he, probably been left he out. Hasn't. I, I agree, it's a bit, bit of a wild one. I'd have took him, but but if we're talking about them as a golden generation, in the same way we used to talk about England, in the same way Portugal had to talk about theirs, in the same way Spain had theirs, is that you have a window where you're at the peak, uh, your best chance to go out and do something in a tournament. We said that uh, the last Euros, and obviously they it, it came unstuck against Wales. 
if they, for example, even if they get beat by Brazil or Germany who are playing fantastic football, there's going to be plenty of people saying, well, if we had Nangalan in that team, we would be better. So that means that he's under more pressure for his plan to work. I disagree with everyone in the room on almost everything to do with Belgium. Firstly, we talk about managers. Most of these managers are fucking crap. In the, in the World Cup. Most of them haven't, haven't just, you know, Delaney was doing something, Miguel Delaney was doing something on Twitter the other night. Most of them haven't won anything. Most of them haven't proven themselves at any sort of level. Most of them are, a lot of them are past it. A lot of them have only ever done international football. I think Bobby Martinez is fascinating in that you can often sort of malign him as being rubbish, but then you think about some of those run-ins that he managed to pull together with Wigan, where they looked all but relegated and he changed three things tactically and they, they go and beat everyone home and away. And I, I think he's, I think he's all right. I think the decision he's made on Nangolin is brilliant in that he's decided it it's sorted out now he's not there so he's you know he's got that sorted out he's not going to there for every week or after every game have people going why aren't you playing Nangolin no, why aren't that's you true. playing Nangolin he's gone I'm not playing him and this is why I'm not playing him he doesn't fit what I want they've played the same way all the way through they played 4-2 four, 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 sorry 3-4-2-1 right the way through he's committed to that he's got three belt and centre halves if he can keep yeah. them fit he's got three absolutely belt and centre halves he's got one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament uh, in goals so he's got three belt and centre halves one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament he's got Hazard he's got De Bruyne um, he's got Mertens and it, 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 there is a question as to whether or not he uses him but he's got him and he's got him off the bench and they've also been using wing backs and they've been using really attacking players in the wing back areas and getting results for it I, I'm not saying that they're going to win it but I, I really like them and I think that they could do really really well mm-hmm. and I think you know I, I, yeah they could well come up against it and only t- one team's going to win it but I think whatever happens, there'll always be a bit of a sob story for someone somewhere. That's true. What I would say uh, regarding him tactically, I do like the fact that he's playing uh, De Bruyne in midfield. I do think that that's definitely going to help them because a lot of the time in tournament play as well, when you've got a guy like Lukaku or Benteke and you're looking as a target man and it gets tight, maybe people are tired, you tend to try and bypass the midfield. But when they've got De Bruyne that deep, he's going to be controlling the play. He's going to keep them going within their tactics. So, yes, I mean, my point really regarding Belgium and regarding Martinez, it was more about... Uh, how he's going to be perceived rather than how much of that's going to affect on the pitch, we don't know. What I would still say in the same way for England, whether to come up in the quarterfinal against Brazil or Germany, I still wouldn't fancy them to win. I think they'd have a better chance against Germany than Brazil, though I would qualify that. Does anyone have anything interesting to say about Panama or Tunisia? I think they're the two teams I know least about. Panama have got the heaviest player at the tournament. Oh, hello. Yeah. Torres, centre-half, who scored that goal. Love this. Them through, sorry. <laughs> okay, tell you what. And, but yeah, is, everyone, that, is everyone expecting England and Belgium to go through? Yes. 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 And do you want to pick a group winner then, or you're not bothered? Uh, Belgium. Ian? I'd say Belgium as well. Dan? Yeah, I love Belgium. Well, Agreed. I wasn't expecting a clean sweep there, but it happened, so there you go. Okay, <laughs> the very last group is uh, Poland, Senegal, Colombia, Japan. I like that it's from four different continents as well. That feels, yeah. quite, feels quite fun. Um, and I think we touched on it before. Dan, you mentioned it, so I'll start, I'll start with you. Just really even. Um, four decent teams. And yeah, it could be a good one in terms of matchups. could be a good one in terms of games. And you could pick any two really to go through. This is my favourite group um, oh. for loads of different reasons. Because I think, yeah, any of the two of them can get through. Um, there's some really good kits in this group as well. Japan and <laughs> Colombia are absolute yeah. smokers. Um, and and yeah, in terms of the sort of like cultural aspect around it, people coming from every continent and all being a part of it, and and probably not knowing an awful lot about each other and playing in different <laughs> ways as well. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, I, I think that 
if I were to pick a favourite from it, it would probably be Colombia because of what he did at the last tournament. And in terms of individual players, I think they've probably got the best sort of amount of them in that they've still got James and Falcao and Carlos Baca still kicking about and doing quite well. Um, David Espina obviously is sort of much maligned at Arsenal, but has been a really good international keeper for them for quite a few years now. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they all do. Japan are coming into it off the back of really poor form and they've got a new manager and it doesn't seem to have quite settled well. Um, but, they, but they usually do quite well in these kinds of things. I think they got to the rounds of 16 last time. Um, out of a fairly similar group to this, I think they had teams in there that were of a similar level to them and just managed to sort of through industry and, and a bit of talent from the likes of Kazuki Honda and, and Okazaki to make it through. Um, obviously Poland with the likes of Lewandowski and um, Blasikowski and Milik. You would yeah, think they've got, got goals, haven't they? Yeah, they've got goals in them. Um, I, th- I think it's really interesting and it's one that, again, if you're talking about groups that are going to be alive at the end, I think it's perfectly reasonable that that goes into the final round and all four of them can still get through. And it's, it's not certain who's topping it and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's definitely it's, it's the one that I'm looking forward to most. And I think without having a really standout team in it that you're looking forward to watch I think I think that creeps up the games in it that I'm looking forward to most and especially with Mane in it as yeah. well that's, mm-hmm. that's that's a bit of extra interest for us and again they've got a team that I think Adrissa Gay plays for Senegal doesn't he and, yeah. and uh, Kula Bali from Napoli yeah, so it's 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 a group that you probably wouldn't think of as as having anyone that can be get beyond the quarters but I think there's a lot of value in them as entertainment entertainment before the quarters because for example, I'm saying Brazil are favourites there, but I'm probably not that interested in Brazil until the quarterfinals because it's going to be fairly easy for them. <laughs> Whereas this group, the play, the teams that are in it are not going to get beyond the quarterfinals, but they're going to very much maintain my interest until then. Yeah, I mean Senegal have got have, <laughs> Senegal have got a few stars, haven't they? When you look at the squad, and you're like, oh, he's there and he's there, and, and they're playing at all the good teams. Um, quite a few in France and. I mean, that mentions Marnie there as well. I think Marnie's proved undoubtedly in this Champions League run that he's a big game player. You know, he's Liverpool's best player in the final. He's probably Liverpool's best player in Rome as well. And so he's coming into it in really good form. And I think there'll be a lot of pressure on him, but I think he'll certainly be able to deal with it. In fact, he'll probably relish it. Yeah, and he's had to weather that throughout the whole qualifying campaign as well because he has been their talisman for that, uh, for that period of time. Every World Cup, we go into it thinking one of the African teams are really going to break through that quarterfinal ceiling and really get into the meat of the tournament. And I'm less um, expecting that to happen this time than I have previously, but I would be much happier if it happened with the Senegal side than previously because I, I think that they have the potential to be, like Dan said, a really exciting team, really fun games to watch. And if they can go in and shake it up, I think it's going to end up becoming a better tournament for it, maybe than Poland. That might be unfair on Poland, but that's just... Do we a bit boring in the Euros? Like- well, Poland's dead in, the, the three sides, apart from Japan, Poland, Senegal and Colombia, are all dead interesting because they're very much sides with best players. Mm-hmm. So Poland have got Lewandowski, Colombia have got uh, Rodriguez and um, Senegal have got Mane. And... All of this is quite, you know, it's almost like who's going to get the best out of the best player right the way through this. So, because th- there's every chance that Poland will be really boring and, and Lewandowski could win the golden boot. Mm. Like, he genuinely could just score five in the four the games that they get to play if they get through the group and then go out in the last 16 and five could be enough. And you think that's absolutely crackers, but it could be true. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would, you know, Poland do not 
you know, do not excite me in any way, shape, or form. I feel like I've been watching the same Polish side my whole life, uh, as though they are just regens. The kit isn't ever even that good, so, you know. There's not a bit about it. They haven't got a Colombian Nazi weed pope. All the big hitters that you need. They haven't got any of that sort of stuff. But there's every chance they just do the business in this group, get out of it because they've got Lewandowski. Uh, I don't know if Milik is back fit. More, more like to know that than me because I know he was out injured with a bad injury. Yeah, I, he's fit. He's not match fit. I mean, again. Depending upon how they play, they're more likely to try and get him off the bench. Have Germany, by the way, said they're going to buy Neuer? They're, sorry, they're going to play Neuer? Yes, yeah, he's yes, yes. playing in these games he, he, he as well. Played, he Sounds okay. Just, game, we should have mentioned that before, and it's been, it's been doing me head in since. Uh, <laughs> talk about long-term injured lads. So, no, I'm very much of the view... Um, I'm, no, I'm very much of the view that you, the, this gets sorted out off the basis of who gets the best out of their best player. And I think that does ever so slightly open up the fact that I think it could be a bit of a... It could be that it goes the other way and Japan have the best team, etc., etc. But I sort of think Japan are going to be the ones who are toiling a bit in this group. But yeah. the other three are all more than capable of finishing first and second. Where are you on it, Ian? It's hard to pick, isn't it? It is hard to pick. I, I agree with Neil's point there. You'd, you'd imagine uh, Japan probably come bottom of the pile. If I'm, if I'm Gareth Southgate, I'm thinking I won't, I'll take Poland in the next round. I don't want Senegal and I don't want Colombia either. And I think the unpredictability of Senegal would, would, would worry you if you were, if you were an England fan. Um, I think they've got potential to cause England real problems. But I think it's one of them. It's, just, it's, it's a really, really tough one to, to call. I think the whole Poland thing, Lewandowski, Lewandowski thing is really interesting. You know, there's quite a lot of pressure on him now. He's 29 years of age and, you know, by his own high standards, he's not had, you know, stellar tournaments. You know, you think of the last one, he gets one goal in open play and he doesn't really kind of set the world on fire. He's obviously, it's back to that point of he's not surrounded by great players, is he? He's surrounded by players who are just all right and he's the main man. But you're not going to get as much out of him if he's playing for his club team. So I think for him personally, he'll see this as his real kind of last opportunity to go and do something special. Whether that kind of you know, backs up Neil's point there, you know, who gets the most out of the best player, not so sure. But I have to say, I, I kind of fancy Colombia and Senegal to do the business in this one um, and to maybe edge Poland out with, with, with Japan coming in a fourth. OK, you've gone for Colombia, Senegal, Dan? Um I think I'll go for Colombia as well to top it um, on the basis of they've already done it. James has already been pretty much the best player at the tournament before. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'll go Senegal as well because I think they're all, there's no sort of tight game in here. They're all just going to attack each other mm-hmm. because they're all of a similar level and they all need to get points on the board and I think Senegal are going to be better at doing that than Poland. Well, I think that Lewandowski can score as many as four goals for Poland and it's still not be enough. I think it's going to be a high-scoring group as well. So I'm going to over the same because the other guys Colombia and Senegal uh, I think it'll be one of Colombia and Senegal and Poland and I think Poland will come second in the group but they will just horror their way through it <laughs> uh, and I think that the, I think the very fact that as Dan said I think everyone else is going to attack and I think Poland aren't and I think they're just going to have the idea of we're just going to get through get through get through get through get through oh we're going to have five minutes oh Lewandowski scores oh great let's just sort of start again I think there's a lot to be said for your best player being a centre forward uh, although Rodriguez does win the golden boot last time so it makes a bit of a fool of me but I fancy, <laughs> I fancy Poland Okay, um, I hope you've enjoyed that, uh, both part one and part two. As I say, we've recorded these in associations with Redsbet. If you are going to have a little bet on the World Cup, then we encourage you to do so with Redsbet because they offer 50% of their losses into fan causes. So do have a little look at Redsbet. They will be offering enhanced 
odds daily along through the tournament as well as the usual bets like uh, who you think's going to win it and um, do gamble responsibly we don't encourage anyone to gamble who doesn't do so but if you do enjoy your flutter then do, we encourage you to do so with Reds bets don't forget as well that they've got a fancy football tournament for people who enjoy that it's currently free to enter although it's only for the first I think thousand people who, who enter so do do that quickly the um, deadline is a really strange time. It's like 10 to 5 on Thursday or something like that. But um, try and get in before then. There's a £25,000 prize pool. But what I like as well, I think it's the, the top 200 who get some money. So you've got a good chance of doing well in that. So do check all that out. And thanks to Red Bear for supporting us throughout the year and making this show that we're able to put out for free. But yeah, we're going to be doing this again at the quarterfinals where you find out we got all our predictions completely wrong. But in the <laughs> meantime, uh, thanks to Mo, thanks to Dan, thanks to Ian, and thanks to Neil. I have been John Gibbons, and that is it. Anfield Rap World Cup special. Sports Social Podcast Network. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.